And the reason I'm doing this is because of my desire for us to learn how to walk with God unencumbered. Um, uh, it's, it's just something that we all struggle with, um, trying to walk with God in a better way, a more complete way, a, a more free way, uh, and an opportunity to not be filled with guilt and shame, an opportunity to know that we are walking with God in a way that would honor Him. And so I started this series um, four or five weeks ago, and uh, I'm entitling it Breaking the, the Chains of Sin, and then I'm working through the seven deadly sins, and uh, started out with pride a couple weeks ago, and then I'm going to do part two of Breaking the Chains of Pride today. And so if you have your Bibles, uh, I invite you to open them with me to 1 Peter chapter 5, and uh, we're going to talk about uh, the solution today on how to break the chains of pride. Let me pray as we enter into our time of study of God's Word. Now, Lord, we ask you to, by your Spirit, guide and direct us that your Word that you inspired would grip our hearts and that it would find fertile ground, take root and grow and produce fruit that lasts for your glory. Protect us, Lord, from anything that is not from you. But what is from you, Lord... Use it to promote your gospel and make much of you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to start out with a verse from Jeremiah chapter 9. It says this, This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches. But let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me. From this passage, you might summarize that pride is self-centered boasting. It's exalting the worth of who we believe we are. We talked a couple weeks ago about how pride says there is no fear of God. We talked about how there is a better plan from our side than God's side. That we, our accomplishments are something to be proud of. And that we can exalt ourselves and look down on others because we are better than others. That's all boasting. And the Bible tells us that boasting is not bad if we are boasting in God. If we are making much of Him. But if we boast in self... That means that we are full of pride. And we suggested that possibly there is some pride in all of us. And so I based my series of messages on how to deal with this from Romans chapter 6, verse 13. And here's what this verse says. It says, Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and offer every part of yourself to him as instrument of righteousness. And I suggested that this verse outlines a lifestyle of repentance. Do not offer yourselves as instruments of unrighteousness, but offer yourselves to God and offer your your body as instruments of righteousness. That's what I would suggest to you as repentance. And this is a lifestyle that we enter into. 
And it's a continual lifestyle that we enter into because in this side of heaven, there will always be challenges for us to deal with the issues of sin. And so today we go to the issue of pride from 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 to 7. And I suggested two weeks ago that pride is something that, that grips us. And we talked about how it's a problem. But God never gives us a problem, but that he also gives us the solution. So here is the solution. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud. But he shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time, casting all your anxieties on him, for he cares for you. I suggest that this verse is about pride. Notice the word because in the first phrase. Peter tells us to do something because. This is the reason. There's a problem. The solution to the problem is coming. So he says, this is the problem. Do this because this is the problem. And the problem is pride. God opposes the proud. Therefore, do something about it. This verse gives instruction for how to to do the lifestyle of repentance. You're in pride. You realize it. You stop. You turn from pride. You present yourself to God. And then you put on humility. That's what this verse is telling us to do. So let's spend some time really outlining this verse and learning how we can live the lifestyle of repentance in order to break the chains of pride in our lives. So first, turn from pride. Peter warns us, God opposes the proud. I can't think of a more terrifying idea than to be opposed by God. Can you? I mean, in high school, I did a little bit of wrestling, and I had a wrestling opponent. Um, I played basketball on the parking lot, sand lot. There was always an opponent. I've been opposed by my neighbors. I was living in an apartment complex when I was in graduate school, and these guys downstairs had a beer keg out in there, and they were making a ruckus in the middle of the night. I called the cops on them. <laughs> and the cop came and said, you guys can't do this. There's hundreds of people here. Next day, the hubcaps of my car mysteriously disappeared. I've been opposed by my neighbors. I've been opposed by pastors and churches. Where I said white, they said black. It didn't matter what the issue was because they were opposed to me. But, you know, I handled all those things about opposition. I was okay with that. Being opposed by God, that caused shivers up my back. God opposes you, Scott. I can't imagine being able to sleep at night. Now, some of us are not getting along very well in life. And life is hard. Have you considered possibly that God is opposing you? 
Now, I'm, I'm not in any way suggesting that difficult, all difficulty and all suffering and all hardship is because you're full of pride. That, I would never suggest that. But what this text says is, if you are full of pride, God opposes you. We need to take this really, really seriously. And we sometimes resist turning from pride because we think it speaks of being weak. Someone says, if I, if I give up my pride and speak softly, I'm going to get hit with a big stick. <laughs> you want to know how to guarantee being hit with a big stick? Oppose God. Be full of pride. Have him oppose you. Why do we have to do things such hard way all the time? I mean, why do we have to make it so difficult? Why? We always have to run the hard road. I'm going to resist. I'm not going to do it. And God says, oh, okay, how you want to do it, but you know what? One way or another. <laughs> and Peter says, turn from pride. Turn away from it. That's step one. Turn from pride. Step two. Present yourselves to God. Look at verse 6. Verse 6 says, Humble ourselves. Humble ourselves. Now, at first glance, this appears to be something we do. But in reality, it's not. It means literally, be humbled. It's, it's, an, it's not an active command where we do something. It's a passive command where we allow somebody else to do something to us. Allow somebody else to humble you. And guess what the text says? Allow the mighty hand of God to humble you. It's the mighty hand of God that brings us low. And when we allow him to bring us low, we learn how to be submissive to him. That's really what this means. Some, some translations say, be submissive to God. Submit yourselves to God. This is the second step, I would suggest, of repentance. Once we determine to turn from pride, we present ourselves to God and allow him to break our pride. Now, some of you remember... Uh, the, the kind of the wives' tale of don't ever pray for patience. You ever heard someone say that? Don't ever pray for patience, because if you do, what's going to happen? God's going to bring all kinds of stuff in your life. He's going to make it hard for you, and he's going to teach you patience. Right? Don't ever pray for God to break your pride. Well, you know, that's exactly what we should do. Pray that God breaks our pride. Because we don't want him to be opposing us. We want him to be for us. The Bible says that God is for us. And the way that he is for us is he breaks our pride. So I would suggest to you that once we recognize that there's an area of pride in our lives, and we decide... I need to turn from that pride, but I, I just really don't know how to do, what, what to do. What, what do I do, God? Present yourself to God 
and ask him to humble you. Ask him to humble you. Here's what David says in Psalm 51, verse 17. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. The opposite of being opposed by God is to not be despised by God or to be loved by God. Brokenness is what David prays for. Now, brokenness does not mean God's going to destroy us. doesn't mean he's going to beat us up. doesn't mean that he's going to rub our face in the dirt and kick us when we're down. Brokenness does not mean that we lose our salvation and become spiritual outcasts. Brokenness is walking with God so that his light shines on us and he exposes the areas of darkness in our lives. And he overwhelms us with who he is, his love and his grace and his righteousness, so that we declare with Isaiah, woe is me. That's where God wants us to be. He wants us to be in his presence and to bow before him and say, God, I'm to the end of myself. I give up. I give you my pride. I give you my arrogance. I give you my strong will. I give you my stubbornness. I give it to you. Break me. Brokenness is coming to the end of pride, the end of self-centeredness, the end of self-exaltation. It's giving up the right to self-indulgence. Brokenness is surrender, putting God first, even when it means self-denial. And that's what Jesus said, isn't it? If anyone would come after me, he must what? Deny himself. That's brokenness. That's the end of pride. Brokenness is coming to God in the midst of the awareness of our pride with a contrite spirit. It doesn't mean get a handle on your pride and then come before God. That's ridiculous. I've had people say, well, you know, I'll start attending church as soon as I get my act together. I mean, that's, that's the cart before the horse, isn't it? Same thing with this. We go to God and say, God, I've got some pride in my life and you revealed it to me and I don't know what to do with it. Will you deal with my pride? And when you do, I'll submit to you. I'll come to you in repentance. I'll turn from it. I'll present myself to you and say, God, do whatever you want to do in my life. And you know what David says? A broken and contrite spirit... God will never turn us away. We sometimes think, well, if I'm honest with God and I tell him I'm prideful with me, he's going to kick me out. It's exactly where he wants you to be. He wants you to be before him and to say, Lord, I'm kind of arrogant towards my wife. Lord, I'm kind of stubborn against my husband. Lord, I'm I'm kind of just go my own way. Uh, Are you going to kick me out? Are you going to still love me? And God says, listen, that's right where I want you to be if you admit that. A broken and contrite spirit God will never, ever despise. Let's go back to 1 Peter chapter 5. Look at verses 6 and 7. God puts us through the humbling process in order to lift us up. He is a compassionate 
and loving God. When we humble ourselves by presenting ourselves to God, God will give us his grace. He will give us all the wonderful benefits of our salvation. He cares for us. <laughs> he, will, he will give us his peace. He'll give us his rest. He'll give us joy. He'll give us strength. He'll give us perseverance. All the blessings that he wants to give us are ours if we take our this detestable pride and lay it at his feet and say, God, I don't want it anymore. I've had it with being stubborn and prideful and arrogant. All it does is get me in trouble. (laughs) I want you. So what do we do? What's the third step? What's the third step in repentance? Well, it's found in verse 5. God could not be more clear. Clothe yourselves with humility. Clothe yourselves with humility. Pride. Oh, I got pride. Stop. Turn. Present myself to God. Get broken before Him. Humble myself before God. Clothe myself with humility. That's the way you break the chain of pride. Now, this idea of humility is fraught with jokes, isn't it? Bob Hope once was presented with an award. He said, I feel very humble, but I think I have the strength to overcome it. (laughs) Then he said, uh, what the world needs is more geniuses with humility. There's only so few of us left. (laughs) The truth is that humility is like underwear. If it shows, it's indecent. (laughs) Abraham Lincoln said, What kills a skunk is the publicity it gives itself. That's the way it is with humility. So how do you how do you preach about humility? (laughs) Well, I would suggest that Peter tells us. He says, put on humility. I would suggest that humility is being a servant. Clothe yourselves literally means put on a uniform. Put on a uniform. And then he tells us the context. Put on a uniform of humility in your relationships with one another. Right there in the text. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. It's always in the context of one another. Therefore, we clothe ourselves with humility, I would suggest, toward one another by serving them. Well, where do I get that? Well, I just look at the life of Jesus, Son of God, the Almighty King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the preeminent over all creation, stood before his disciples on the night before he was going to be betrayed, with Judas right in the room. And he took off his outer garment, he put on a towel, took a wash basin, and washed their That's the servant's job, to wash the feet. And that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus became the servant. He came not to be served, he says, but to serve and to offer himself a ransom for many. Let's combine these two ideas, humility and serving, from Philippians chapter 2. Paul says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. That sounds like pride, doesn't it? Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, 
not looking toward your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. The interest of others. Now, to clarify, this verse does not tell us that there's other people who are more important than we are. Nobody is more important. We're all sinners and we're all forgiven. That all makes us equals. But a servant treats others as if they are more important than we are. And we do that by looking to the interests of others instead of our own interests. That's a servant. Nothing breaks down our pride better than replacing it with serving others. A humble person is always focused on others. He's always interested in lifting others up. We can either clothe ourselves with humility by following the example of Jesus, taking on the initiative of serving others, or we can hang on to our pride. This can take many, many different forms. And I think if we just think about it for a little while, how can we be a servant? Well, how can husbands and wives serve each other? It'd be fun to have a contest in your home for a week, husbands and wives, and challenge each other. I'm going to outserve you this week and have a contest. Which one of you can serve the other better? Wouldn't that be a wonderful contest to have, your family? Prideful person might say, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to subject myself to that. That's going to cost me if I serve you. If I become a servant, that's going to hurt. I'm going to have to spend time that I don't have. I'm going to have to spend energy that I don't have. I'm going to have to subject myself to criticism. I'm not going to be a servant. In humility, serve others, counting them as more important than ourselves. My suggestion is a humble a person is a humble servant when he joyfully perseveres when he's treated like one. A humble servant joyfully perseveres when they're treated like one. That's how you break the chains of pride. So here's my summary statement, and you probably can say it real easy. We break the chains of pride by becoming a humble servant. It's difficult to be full of pride when we are spending our energy making much of God. It's difficult to rebel against God's plan for our lives and the lives of those we love when we are serving God, serving others, and cheering for others in their service to God. It's hard to promote ourselves so we get noticed when we're doing all we can to get others noticed. And it's almost impossible to put others down when we are working to lift them up. I would suggest to you that we are never more like Jesus than when we are a humble servant. And Martin Luther said this, God created the world out of nothing. So long as we are nothing, he can then make something of us. That's how we break the chains of pride. Now, lest we think this is all a downer, back to 1 Peter chapter 5. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, for he 
cares for you. Notice the text. If we humble ourselves, God will lift us up in due time. In due time. Now, what does that mean, in due time? Well, I think specifically it's referring to the promise of eternal life in heaven. There will be a day when there's no more suffering, no more pain, no more struggle, no more agitation, no more oppression, no more battling sin and the devil, and no more death. I entered into death this week with my mother. Last Tuesday, I moved in with her in her apartment. And I held her hand for seven days as she died. And I I went home, and I just felt like I smelled like death. And the Bible says that death is the enemy. Well, I know. I watched it. It's the enemy. It is horrible. And when I got home, I took off my shirt. And I took off my slacks and I put them in the washing machine. And I put in a little bit of extra fabric softener. I put in a little bit of, you know, stuff to make my clothes smell really good. And I got them out. And I took those clothes that used to smell like death and I put them back on. And they didn't smell like death anymore. And I wore those clothes for the next two days. Because I knew my mom was not struggling with death anymore. She was in heaven. And I smelled my clothes and they were fresh and they were clean, just like she is. That's the due time. God will lift us up. We don't ever have to struggle against death anymore. But sometimes, God lifts us up during this life. Sometimes he gives us a reprieve now. Not necessarily toward the values that are commonly recognized by this world. But he will lift us up spiritually, emotionally, with great peace, with great joy. The text says he cares for us. Cast your anxiety upon him, for he cares for you. He will give you rest. But these blessings on earth are elusive to people full of pride. Pride ignores God and refuses to recognize that he is in control. Because pride says, I don't care about God. I don't fear God. I don't even know that he exists. Pride has a better plan than God. Pride boasts in the accomplishments that we have, not realizing that there's nothing that we ever accomplished that wasn't given to us by God. Pride exalts ourselves over others. But instead... Break those chains of pride. Humble yourselves and become a humble servant of others. Receive God's blessing. Turn from pride. Present yourselves to God. Clothe yourselves with humility. And he will do for us what we could never, ever do for ourselves. And that's the way to break the chains of pride. Where are you today? Now, this is a hard thing to think about, you know. I remember the first thing I said, there's nothing that tweaks our pride more than having, our tweak, than having someone tweak our pride. 
But what is God saying to you today? He doesn't say, get your act together and then come to me. He says, practice a life of repentance. Fight the battle. Enter in to the battle. And then he'll say, you're fighting the battle well, Scott. And when pride comes in, repent. When pride comes in tomorrow, repent. When pride comes in next Tuesday, repent. When pride comes in on Wednesday, it will repent. Make it a lifestyle. And I can lay my head on that pillow and he'll say, Scott, you're fighting the battle. Well done. You're fighting it. Because my grace has covered you. And I love you. And I'll continue to work in your life. That's where God wants us to be. That's how God wants us to live. Lord God, work in the lives of each one of us today. Help us to recognize areas in our lives where we are proud. In our thought life, when we imagine being a big star. In our relationships, when we abuse other people. When we insist on our own way. When we rebel against your plan for our lives. When we rebel against the plan that you have for someone else. Maybe one of our children. Maybe one of our parents. Lord, help us to make much of you in all the things that we do and recognize that any of our accomplishments are ours because you first opened the door for us. And Lord, forgive us. Break us of our pride. Humble us before your mighty hand. And then direct us and empower us to live a lifestyle of a humble servant. Both in our families in our church, and in our community. For Jesus' sake, for the sake of the gospel, we pray. Amen.